Welcome to the Art and Life Podcast with your host, Taylor Gallegos. Art exists all around us, in all directions, from all walks of life. We just need to know how to see it. The Art and Life Podcast is an experiment in an audio format that focuses on the art and philosophy involved with different people and their life paths. This experiment is intended to inspire you in your creative pursuits, whatever they may be. Follow along as I interview movers and shakers from all walks of life. It's possible to make a life from your art, skill, craft, or vision. These interviews showcase that fact. Listen while you work. Listen while you create. Listen while you dream up the next big breakthrough. First off, I want to say thank you for listening. The people being interviewed and I are two parts of the podcast, but it wouldn't be complete without you, the listener. I very much appreciate your attention and your energy, and I hope you get as much out of this as I do. If you enjoy what you hear, you can join me on this artistic journey in many ways. You can subscribe to the show, leave a review, and share it around. You can join the conversation on the Art and Life Facebook group, where we discuss topics from the shows. You can join my email list on my website at taylorgallegosart.com on the contact page. And while you're there, check out the new artwork I've been creating. You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at taylorgallegosart. And finally, you can support my art and the Art and Life podcast on my Patreon page. Just search Taylor Gallegos Art. So again, a deep and sincere thank you for being here. Now, on to the good stuff. All right, friends, we've got a little bit of a teachable moment here for me as a podcast recorder. Unfortunately, I made a little boo-boo on this episode. I just got this new microphone. It's called the Blue Yeti. It's freaking awesome. Uh, But there's a couple different settings on it, and one of them you can do in-person recordings and it records from both sides of the microphone. And then the other setting, one of the other settings is like a single side. I left it on that single side setting instead of recording from both sides. So Cam is a little bit quieter in the recording than I am, which hopefully uh, ends up not being too big of a problem, equalizes out, you know, in the production of it, but it's not perfect. And uh, yeah, it's kind of a doozy. But teachable moments lead to growth. I've had three teachable moments on this podcast, three major ones. One, I was recording with my buddy, Kevin Yu, and 40 minutes into the recording, I looked down and I realized, I wasn't recording. I didn't hit the record button. So that was a teachable moment. Definitely won't do that again. Another one was on the Bucky Lassick episode where I said his name incorrectly when I introduced him. And uh, that was embarrassing. Won't do that again. And then this third one 
was how to use the freaking microphone. So that's what we're doing, folks. And I just kind of want to throw it out there as like these are teachable moments because we all should have a little grace with ourselves in the creative process because this is how we grow and develop as artists, as creatives is we're going to run into walls. We're going to make mistakes and it's okay. You just move, you acknowledge it and you move forward. And uh, that's fucking art, guys. That's how it rolls. So, yeah, on to the intro. Welcome, 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 my friends, my art friends, my creative friends. Say what's up. Whoop, whoop. Um, yeah, so we got a really good podcast here for you today. This is a special guest, my brother. I'm stoked. This guy's got lots of kinetic energy. I'll just say that. Um, we dive into it. We dive into different experiences and, that he's had and different walks of professional lives of his, and uh, it's going to be awesome. So without further ado, let's just dive right into it. Cameron Gallegos. Welcome, everybody, to the podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Gallegos, and with me is a ridiculously special guest. I'm so stoked. This has been a long time coming. You got to chase this guy down because he's so busy doing awesome shit out there in the world. It's not easy. He's got a farm to manage, metaphorically, and he's got a lot of action going on in his world. Adventure, excitement, all sorts of things. So, uh, Cameron Gallegos, thanks for being on the podcast. All right. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tracking me down. <laughs> You know, it, it, the timing is just perfect whenever it works out. And this feels, this feels perfect. I mean, you're here in Carlsbad visiting for a couple of days. And it's pretty perfect. It's pretty perfect. It's pretty perfect. The weather's even been shitty for the last like week or two. And now it's Not like today. gorgeous. Not today. The stars have aligned. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So why don't you begin by telling the people who you are, where you're from, how you got to where you're at, and what it is that you do. All right. Uh, Cam Gallegos, Taylor's little brother, Lane's husband, Scott and Wesley's dad, usually is how I'm known. Yep. <laughs> uh, born and raised in between Boulder and Denver, Colorado. Spent my years there. Um, did some stints in Iowa, did a stint in Southern California. Uh, moved to, back to Colorado, up to Montana, back to Colorado, and now back to Montana. Uh, I'm a fireman for the city of Bozeman, Montana. Uh, amazing wife, two young girls. We, we have a farm with six chickens, two dogs, one cat. Um, I think we have some other creatures. There's a bunny living under the shed. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that counts. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, uh, most, most of my stints were uh, either chasing a uh, sports career in Iowa, played soccer and baseball in college. Um, then I got into fighting fire uh, pretty much immediately after college. Uh, did a ride along with, with cousin Bob and never left after that. So, you know, volunteered a couple different departments, got into some wildland stuff, went to paramedic school, uh, got hired in Montana, worked uh, in the metro suburbs of Denver for several years. Uh, and then back to Montana now we live in Bozeman and you're also on the ski patrol ski patrol at Bridger Bowl um yeah you know we we work x amount of days per month at the firehouse so gives me a fair amount of time um and I 
if I had my way, I'd probably be a ski patroller by trade. Uh, it's, it's a really fun mountain with some of the, the best terrain in the country. I think it's up there with, with the Altas and the Jackson holes of the world in terms of avalanche mitigation. And, um, it's, it's really fun, but, uh, you know, it's summertime now we get three months of summer in Montana as opposed to 12, like you guys have. <laughs> uh, so now it's time for, you know, it's time for mountain biking, it's time for trail running. It's time to get on the rivers and stuff like that. So fly fishing, um, fly fishing. I dabble, not great, but I try. Cause it's like an art where people can it's be great. It patience. Patience is tough, man. I don't have a lot of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's cool because Uncle Jim, who's been on the podcast, you guys all know him from the Jim and Mark episode. Um, Uncle Jim has been, he took us fly fishing in Jackson Hole when we were like, you were probably seven and I was like 10, 10 and a half. And you were like casting back and catching me on the shirt with your fly. That was mostly intentional. I never told you that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I figured that. But it's cool because Jim's been a fly fisherman his whole life in Jackson. And then you go and then you're diving into that. And yeah, I mean, talk about great role models though, right? Yeah. I mean, if you can emulate Mark, Bill, Bob, Jim, I feel like you're doing pretty well. Yeah. Susan, Crit, like if you can emulate those ones, you're, you're doing pretty well in life. And I think we've both taken certain elements of all the role models that we've had. Right. Um, Chris every, and significant others across there as well. And, um, you know, Bob and Jim just keep trolling for how many years? And it's, uh, yeah, I think going back to the fly fishing, Jim did it a lot younger, maybe didn't do it as much for now, but now him and Letty are back in it more than ever, you know, and it's one of those things that you can pick up. 20 years down the road or something like that i'm pretty sure once my body stops working that'll be the jam but totally yeah yeah well yeah and i think it's really good to have hobbies like that that you can get in when you're younger and you're fully able-bodied to so that when you get older and you're not as well set up yeah you still have something to do like painting is like that i'm gonna do it forever yeah it's like it's really good to have these like long game yeah hobbies and skills because it's going to evolve right the way you paint now is going to be very different than how you're going to paint in 40 years right the way i ski now is going to be very different than how i ski in 40 years i hope i'm skiing in 40 years but um you know you mature you slow down you find that that maybe you don't need to go on or or one stroke can do the same as six strokes that you do now yeah um yeah right It, it just changes our perspective changes and our body changes um yeah and they're like ways to express and exercise philosophical concepts that you go over that you maybe read in a book or hear from somebody about how like yeah you could maybe make that ski turn that you would have done in three do it in one nice line or like do a brush stroke and one instead of four and the reason is because like i don't know it's like a it's all the philosophy applied to these different things yeah it's really cool and your Rolodex, right? So your, your mental Rolodex, your, your, your stuff on which you can pull from is so much bigger. So you have that turn that you were going to make, but you can pull from a, a Rolodex that you have of, I made this turn once and I hit a rock and I tumbled 70 feet. So 
now I have that to pull on over X amount of time, I'm not going to make that turn this time. I'm going to make this turn. Or, or I made this brush stroke and I fucked up the whole painting. Um, that was the first of many F bombs to come. I apologize. I'm working on oh, it. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, we're, we're there. Is this a <laughs> it's fine. safer work jam? Or the, uh, uh, yeah, the fuck threshold has been crossed. <laughs> it's been crossed. <laughs> it's been crossed many times in this podcast. And it's, it's, like it's, always, <laughs> it's always very sweet that people are like, oh, can I swear on this? I'm like, yes, you go. It's, this is a podcast about art. And uh, Scout can drop an F bomb in perfect context with just. <laughs> friend's got cuss days with his kid no and, way you know like every now and again he can take him out and i'll go out with a scout or something we'll go skiing and just like dad can i cuss today yeah yeah buddy you can cuss today <laughs> oh my god it's okay you can do that one <laughs> yeah well it's such like a a taboo thing but it's really taboo because of the way that you use it and the intention behind it and right. like the and it's taboo in terms of what society says is taboo and society's really just like this structure that was made by people from the past right. with their ideas of what was right and wrong. And like, we're, and when you raise kids, you're like defining for sure your relationship, their relationship to the world, the world's like, you're putting it all in context for your child. You're like, yeah. this is good. That's bad. This is how this works for sure. And it sticks with them. And really, I think you take that and you can drive it home of just, Hey, words matter. This is how, when, and why to use it. Right. Don't just, throw it around or you can use it in these situations and you can use it if you want to emphasize a certain statement you can throw the you know so it, it really it gives them a, a wider breadth i think right right That's my excuse i don't know no i think it's great and like you could i mean well you put it in context you're like this is how and when you use it and it is a word like to to act like it's not a word that's like abstinence in yeah. anything and i don't really think that that's realistic in this world like you yeah. know because then they're going to do drugs rock and roll yeah, yeah you sure. like say that it doesn't exist and then they're gonna like be drawn to it more the ones in college that always go the craziest the preacher's daughter preacher's daughter yeah yeah exactly you know what? <laughs> no no <laughs> uh and that's why i gave mia her first drink of alcohol when she was like 15 sorry guys <laughs> that's, that's why that was why you were yeah it's important to no i gave her a talk i was like listen this is how it works there's beer there's alcohol or there's wine there's you know the whole thing and like mia never got in trouble for alcohol throughout high school i mean her her friends got in trouble once and then sure. she kind of got in trouble by association but her friend was being out of control right and that was she, mia wasn't mia yeah. was like taking care of the situation because she knew because, because of you, she knew really yeah. i mean I'm, i guess i should take credit for that yeah 100%. <laughs> yeah you showed her the bumper plates the, the boundaries on either side exactly like don't go over the bumpers that's the thing <laughs> but you gotta know where they are yes otherwise yeah yeah glad we figured that out you really worked through that i'm obviously a good parent <laughs> yeah I'm, i'm i obviously know what i'm talking I'm about i'm doing really well as well <laughs> yeah Oh, uh, St. Lane's taking care of this so uh, the Lane, girls will be all right. Lane, you're doing a great job. Thanks for that. She was on the podcast. Yeah, she definitely was. Yeah. Um, yeah, you guys should, if you haven't heard the podcast with Lane, Cam's wife, she is a wise human being and threw out some really great knowledge on that one. Mm -hmm. um, I definitely want to get her back on the podcast to check out and see where she's at. These podcasts are going to be cool because I'm going to do these check-ins with people throughout time. Oh, yeah. And to. like, there's so much growth that's happened in all these people's lives. So it'll be really neat to follow up on. Yeah. Um, one th question I want to throw out to you is 
uh, or concept I want you to talk about is uh, talk about the art of firefighting. Nice. The art of being a fireman. Oh, yeah. Or fire person. Yep. Sure. Right. Um, man, happens to be my favorite topic. Yeah. I don't know how much time we have. I could, <laughs> I could completely tangent on this. You can go a while. I'm here. okay with it. Yep. Good. Um, where do you even start with where that? Where do you question? start, right? I mean, it's a, it, just like we started, I think full circle on it, it's an evolution, right? Um, when I first got into it, it was, it was wearing the t-shirt, it was carrying a pager around, it was riding the rigs, telling people I was a fireman, right? Um, and, and that is my antithesis now. Like guys that do that, I, I just can't stand who, who don't care about truly the, the craft, the art of it. And it is a craft, it is an art. Um, you look at tradesmen, you look at craftsmen across all industries, right? I think it's, and you can be, you, it is. You watch a, pick a, a guy who lays concrete for a living. Man, you watch a really, really good one and it's fucking art. Yes. It is art. It is an absolute trade. You watch that and you're like, man, that guy knows. That guy knows what the weather's doing. That guy knows when it's going to rain. That guy, just watching him with that, you know, or you pick a, a, a trash man, mm-hmm. right? Like a good trash man who knows his route and who picks it and who just nails it and who's really, really good at what he does. It's no different. I mean, that to me is an art. It doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be what you do. It doesn't have to be a, a world-class pianist, right? Yeah, that's art too, but but we all have our art. And, and for people like me who are, you know, knuckle dragon firemen, I don't have that skill. I don't have that. So my art is forcing a door. My art is reading a building that's on fire. My art is working a cardiac arrest and being able to smoothly go from scene to scene to scene to scene to call to you know being able to do that with what i view as a as a craftsmanship as a um it's an art so every one of those details every one of those tasks is important to me to to perfect to craft to work on so it, going back to it it's that evolution of where you came from and realizing that and then putting the time and effort and work into it. You know, work is the shortcut for what we do. It's not the, you're, you're not going to take a pill. You're not going to read a book. You're not going to watch something online and be good at it, right? It takes 10,000 hours and shit. It takes a lifetime. You look at guys, the FDNY who go to jobs, go to fires every day. And, and it's a, it's a constant craft. It's a constant honing of that, picking up, putting things in that Rolodex that I talked about. So, um, man, there's conferences that I go to, there's conferences all over the country that are, that are called the art of firemanship, the, you know, firemanship conference, the, the you know, honing the craft, there's all these conferences. So there's guys out there that get it. There's, it's actually pretty cool right now. There's a, a total renaissance to, for a perfect term, actually a renaissance in the fire service right now of, of getting back to that. And we get, we get stretched really, really thin right now. Budgets are cut, right? Cities, managers are trying to cut budgets. Uh, voters are doing this, the, the politicizing of everything. Um, so we're doing more with less than we ever had. Stations are getting browned out. Um, we're, we're running calls with three firefighters, whereas you used to have five on a rig. Um, we're doing, you know, we don't sit around playing cards waiting for a fire. You know, we're doing EMS, we're doing hazmat, we're doing technical rescue. 
um, we're doing, you know, all, all these different things that we're expected to not just be okay at, right? Worst day of your life, you call 911, you don't want a bunch of knuckleheads showing up, like being average at it, right? You want them. So as you do more and more and more and more and more, and you're being stretched thin and you're expected to be a fucking brain surgeon, a carpenter, a fireman, a doctor, all these different things on one call to the very next call, you have to have some, some way of being good at them and some way of doing more with less and realizing where that standard is for you and how to get there. So um, it's an art, it's a, it's a craft. And, and to, like I said, you, you watch a good carpenter and, and they, can, they can look at a flat plot of ground and put a building on it, right? And everything that comes in between, and it and it takes years, and it takes hours and hours and hours of building stairs, of the framing aspect of it, of the electrical aspect of it, of the plumbing aspect of it. So it's it's no different. It's a blue collar job. Um, it's changing. It's evolving. There's like I said, there's a renaissance right now of people that are into that, um, and and really bringing it back to what it is that we do. And it's a blue collar job. It's a hands dirty type of job that you know there is no there is no in between there's no gray it's it's black and white it's you know when it's go time it's go time so yeah that's what the art of firemanship means to me nice yes, indeed nice and then i've heard like kind of jokes and like you have that magnet on your refrigerator of like the old time fireman being, oh, yeah. being one one new new fireman's like yeah so we like evaluated the situation and scientifically this is what we came up with and all the old guard are like what that sounds like witchcraft <laughs> yep and like uh it seems like you probably have a lot of that situation where you've got like new technology oh yeah new awareness oh yeah new perspectives for and sure and you've got like the old guard yeah there's nothing more tradition based than the American fire service. And it's, it's, and, and I'm as guilty as the next guy, right? So we, we have, uh, the perfect example is our helmets. When you think of a, of a firefighter, it's that helmet, right? It's yeah. that classy helmet that's covered in soot. It hangs out the back. We wear it on everything. It's what defines us, right? It's, it's this traditional, you think of old Chicago firemen and that big helmet, these yeah. old tin helmets and these leather helmets, they're, they're terrible. They're heavy as sin. They're bulky. They don't work. And there's Europe has these, these European helmets. They're super classy. Your communications are integrated into your helmet. They're super sleek. They don't get tangled They're They look like a, like a motorcycle helmet kind of. Yep. Um, and and they have like gas masks attached yeah, you, to it, you, like you, your breath, you, your breathing. Yeah, so we there. wear uh, air packs, you know, and, and we wear a mask. And with our helmets, we have to take it off. And it's this whole procedure to get our mask on and clip into air and then put our helmet back on. <laughs> so inefficient. Big chain strap, or chin strap, sorry, you know, and it's, but it's what we do, right? It's this tradition that we're set in. Yeah. And Europe's like, you guys are fucking idiots. Yeah. Like, look at this clip. I have my communications, I have my air, I have my helmet, it's sleek, it's smooth, it's lighter, it's way better. So, like, there's not a single thing that you can argue that it's better. However, I wear a leather helmet that's badass. <laughs> and I spent a lot of money on it and I love it. Yeah. How, how do you explain that, right? We're so set in these traditions and we're so <laughs> set in these ways and this this uh, seniority stuff and, and probie, our, our, our heat, 
we don't haze anymore, of course, but our, our probationary firefighters, you got this year of probation and it's helping the guy. He's up first, he's to bed last, he does all the work, he writes all the reports, he cooks all the meals, he does all the dishes, blah, 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 blah. So it's a tradition in the American Fire Service. Wall to wall, east coast to west coast, it's what you do. Um, but now, same with our firefighting tactics, right? We use the same thing with our helmets we do with some of our tactics. They don't work, they're old, but we still do them because it's the way we've always done it. Now we have science. We, we can put, you know, we, we get these acquired structures and we can put thermal couplers all up and down the wall. We know where the heat is. We know what happens when we open a hose line on the fire in the back room. We know what it does in the front room over here. We have science. We, we know for a fact when you open a door, it does this. It's the same thing the guys have been saying for hundreds of years, just without the science. They're like, oh, well, I know when I break this window, the smoke goes out. I know when I cut a hole in the roof, heat rises. So when I put the fire out down here, I don't know why, folks, I, I don't know. But I know when I put a hole in the roof, all the bad shit goes up, right? We know this. Now we have this, this butting of heads with science and what we've been doing for a hundred years right and, yeah. and and you've got the guys who don't really you got the guys like me who i want to cut a hole in the roof with my leather helmet on right mm -hmm. um and then you've got a lot of guys who are like well that's dumb the the hole that you cut in the roof doesn't in any way let out enough heat and gas and smoke to make it worth it to put guys on the roof to dangerous. And I'm like, well, that's lame. You're just afraid of going on the roof and cutting a hole. So this, this, this dichotomy of, of new stuff that we have, all the new technology or gear these days, we can get into a fire hotter and deeper than ever before, yeah. right? They used to not wear masks. They used to not wear right. turnout pants and all of a sudden, our gear is top of the line, man. I, I can stand in a room that's a thousand degrees almost and be pretty okay, right? That's that's new. So how do we change our tactics with the science, with the technology that we have? So it's a it's an interesting part to it's an interesting thing to be a part of. Um, it's fun to see all the different people on different different sides of the coin. You know, you got your traditionalists, you got your new school guys. You got guys who generally are afraid to go into a fire. You get, and then we do the medicine part too. So there's so much involved with medicine, right? Paramedics are a huge part of the fire service. We didn't used to do that, and now we do. And now, you know, it turns out that people who are really, really good at medicine, I can say this on the paramedic, so I'm, I can say it. People who are really, really good at medicine have a different brain than people who are really, really good at fighting fire. Right, it's a. I know drug calculations. I know dosages. I can. I, can I would imagine you'd have like more of the scientist over here, and yeah. then you'd have the cowboy over right. here. Right, this guy's really good at breaking shit and kicking down doors. Yeah, this guy's really good at starting IVs and intubating people. Yeah, we have to be able to do both. Some guys are better at this than they are at this. Some guys are better at this than they are at that. But what makes a good fire department, what makes a good firefighter, is having a well-rounded. All of that right being able to do a little bit of this being pretty good at this being pretty good at that um you know but it's just like anything if you're trying to do too much you're gonna be shitty at all of it so trying to find that balance and, and find ways that you are really good at things and really really putting it all together i don't know yeah hard, yeah i haven't figured it out no and uh it's hard to figure art out it's always changing and evolving does yeah 
does insurance affect the fire service like mm -hmm. are you being talked to by the insurance people being like hey that last time you guys did this and it cost us this much so this time we'd rather you not do this or whatever is it like is that a pressure on the whole system not really and that's how the fire service really started right so back in the day they would have um firefighters that were contracted by insurance companies really yeah so huh. there's a term it's called the, the plug ugly right so they'd have these different groups that were this guy's all state or this group is all state this group is state farm this group is geico i don't know and so there'd be a fire and the first group on scene would put out the fire and then they could bill for their services oh right so they would have a plug ugly the plug is another term for a fire hydrant we talked about earlier today. yes we did uh and you put your biggest baddest ugliest mofo on the plug so that when the other guys show up they fight at the hydrant <laughs> so you get your two plug uglies and you beat each other up at the hydrant and then the winner <laughs> whoever put out the fire and got the water from the hydrant won and they could fill obviously that didn't last very long and so <laughs> oh i like that um, we don't right so we our, our job <laughs> is to to show up when they call 911 we put out the fire we do what we do um and we do some damage right we're breaking doors yeah we're, we're breaking windows we're cutting holes in roofs you're stoking things. We're, I mean, we're blowing 150 gallons a minute in your house. Right? <laughs> um, smoke is going to damage everything anyway. Yeah. Drywalls um, all ruined. Drywalls all ruined. ruined. Yeah. Floors below. Right. But you know, if we can save your grandfather's American flag from his days of service, if we can save some pictures in the back bedroom, if we can save your you're, you're closing your closet. Obviously, life is our biggest thing. If we can save some life in there as well, um, that's that's what we're going for. That's why we exist is to protect lives and property, right? Lives being the first priority, property being the second. Um, insurance, you know, insurance is going to scrape it and pay a bunch of money anyway. And we don't really have that to answer your question. You know, it comes into play a little bit more in the, in the medical realm of it. Yeah. We'll get... Um, you know how we write our reports determines what insurance can bill or what we can bill insurance and again we on the line as door kickers we don't have anything to do with that which is great because it would affect our decision making um, we do what's best for the patient yeah we take you to whatever hospital we think is going to give you the best care or wherever you need to go um, and then we let insurance deal with it from there but it's not a perfect system you know and, and people who abuse the system and people who don't pay you know it's it affects it, but it doesn't affect us. Doesn't affect our work, so that's pretty nice. Nice, yeah, for sure. So then you and I worked together recently on a logo for yeah. the Montana, the Bozeman, Montana Pools yeah. Division. Why don't you tell us about that? What the purpose is behind it? What you're doing with it? Like why? Why do what you're doing? Yeah, nice. Um, the pools are a. It started in Florida as a group of firemen that they wanted a little bit more. So we've got our standards with our organization and our department. And, um, you know, we, we are bound by the city, right? Or our district or whatever it happens to be. We're bound by what we can do at work, what we can't do at work. Um, budgets. Budgets, absolutely. Training budgets, uh, department SOPs, standard operating procedures. Um, you know, we, we do, like I said, all those different things. We install car seats for people. We, we have to clean the station. We do station tours. We do all these things that, that take away, in my opinion, from being really, really good at our job. 
different departments, different departments do different things, but but by and large, um, we're being stretched to the thing. The city's paying us a, a livable wage to to be there, and and you know we don't fight as many fires as we used to. Some departments fight more, some departments fight less. So we we, we we're being stretched in to find our way and, and and for the city's term to you know earn our paycheck, whatever it happens to be. Um, so guys that want more, guys that that love doing the down and dirty um, job of being a firefighter. So we go outside and we we take, you know, if there's a couple like-minded individuals in my department and then the next department over has a couple of like-minded individuals that want a little bit more, that want to train outside of work. That, this is the above and beyond. And you know, the, the 10%, the 1%, whatever you want to call it. Uh, yeah, they, they just, you know, like, hey, I, I worked 48 hours last week and, um, you know, I went in and I wanted to get this done, but got super busy at work. So I really want to go out with the top 10% from that department and the top 10% from that department. And I want to meet up and, and just talk shop. There's a training component to it. We're, we're trying to do, um, so we just started the, the 406 pools. It's the only chapter of the Pools International in uh, in Montana. We just started it. We've got an e-board of some total studs from around. And um, we're, we're basically going to, we meet once a month. We talk shop. There's a training component every month. And then quarterly, what we want to do is basically so with the training, you guys get together and you like, you're like, all right, today we're going to work on yep. X thing. And totally. we're all going to just like, we're bringing in the guy who knows the most about it. Yep, exactly. Well, the, the idea practice. is that we have a subject matter expert in ladders and come out and we just throw ladders for hours or forcible entry or all that one of the different um, topics of multitude of things that we have to do. So um, get out and just get dirty, you know, again, the, the the secret is is more work. So if we can get out on our days off and spend our own money and our own time, hang out with the, the cream of the crop, right? You're the the sum of the six closest people you hang out with. Well, I want to hang out with some badass dudes that are good firefighters. So I, you know, picked those badass dudes and we're picking other badass dudes and dudettes and we're getting after it. Um, and then we're trying to give back is the main goal of it. So um, we live in Montana. It's pretty rural that we, we rely heavily on volunteer fire departments. Around here, there's not a volunteer for hundreds of miles. Yep. Um, Montana, we don't have the budget. We don't have the people to do that. So I'm surrounded on the, um, I work for the city. We have a county department around us and then we have 11 volunteer departments that surround us. So when we go to a fire, we've got volunteer firefighters showing up. And selfishly, I want them to be really, really good. Um, they're, I'm going in first and they're probably gonna be in my so I want them to be really good. They're showing up to my house, my kids and my wife. So we want to give back. You know, I'm fortunate enough to go to a bunch of conferences and learn from some of the best guys in the nation. I'm fortunate enough to have worked in a major metropolitan area. I'm fortunate enough to um, learn from a lot of really, really good people. Uh, you know, again, budgets, time, family, money, stuff like that. People around, you know, if a, if a guy is volunteering his own time to go in and help his community, He's probably not going to Portland for a conference that costs two thousand dollars. He's probably not, going, you know, he probably doesn't get that level of training. Um, so if we can give back, then it helps our community, it helps our entire county, it helps our state. If we can raise that bar even just a little bit um, and give back, you know, it's if we can make the job better than we found it, and we can we can help out, um, then that's what we're going to do. So these quarterly trainings, we're inviting volunteer departments from around 
um, all our neighboring county agencies that we work with on a daily basis. We can get them in. We can, you know, they're they're young kids and they're old guys. Basically, it's it's who it is. It's young guys who want to be firefighters and who need a little bit of experience, or it's old people who live in their community and are trying to give back and they've been a volunteer firefighter for 30 years. So if we can help them out and just say, hey, check this out. This is this is something I learned from a guy in Seattle who's one of the best in the app and just like the best firefighter you'll ever meet in this certain topic. He taught me this. Now I'm going to teach you this as well. They can either take it or leave it. But at the end of the day, it's a little bit more experience for them. Makes me a better firefighter. Um, but so yeah, we're, we're trying to get back a little bit. There's a charity component to it. And, um, it's a, it's a good group and we got a bunch of, like I said, we got some studs around too that I've known for a long time, a couple from my department, a couple from a couple other departments around. And, uh, it's, it's, it's a labor of love. It, you know, it costs money. You donated your time and energy to it. And, um, yeah, we're psyched on it. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And the logo turned out. And the logo looks sweet. real good. Yeah. <laughs> I got a helmet shield made. I'm going to a conference. Uh, in a couple of weeks and, and I got a helmet shield made for it. So, so oh yeah. I mean I'm definitely biased yeah, on the yeah. logo, mm -hmm. but from all the research we did, mm -hmm. I think that this is one of the coolest out there. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um okay, next uh thought that I want you to talk about is wildfires. Ooh, What's yeah. it like from your perspective? You were involved in fighting a wildfire in the bridgers oh, yeah. like six months ago uh september 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 so yeah give or take um yeah they're uh that's a whole different ballgame right yeah i mean you look at colorado montana california right um those are some some pretty big i mean i know colorado and california had some of the biggest wildfires ever in state history colorado's for sure last year and in the last couple of years so you know, take the politics out of it, take the anything else out of it. They're happening. They're really big and they're really destructive. Um, they're also really fun to fight. Uh, you know, and I'm, I'm biased. I'm a city guy. Like any wildland guys, the hot shots, the, the smoke jumpers, the, the hand crews and stuff. Those guys are out there, man, from April to October, just working their ass off um, for 12 bucks an hour, you know? Jeez. Um, but it's, it's really fun, you know, from an engine guy's perspective, which is what I am, you know, the, the government contracts us out and we go and we help out around any geographical region. Um, and we're pretty spoiled. We, we go out and, you know, I, I got an engine with two buddies and I can travel around some of the best places in the West and see some cool stuff and hopefully help out a little bit and make a difference. But um, yeah, this, this past summer, when I worked in the Denver metro area, we had a, a pretty good wildland program and we'd go out all summer long and two week chunks and stuff like that. So coming up to Montana, um, which is kind of the, you know, Missoula has got a very historic uh, background with, with wildland firefighting. You know, there's a couple, there's a, a couple big incidents historically for the wildland program uh, in, in that out of Missoula. So um, we have, and obviously we're a very forested state. So we, we have a, a big relationship with wildland urban interface, which California does too, obviously. Um, but last Gallatin Valley where I live is, is very, it's a very wet county. Things don't really burn there. It's, it's winter until May pretty much. And then it starts in September. So all summer long is very green. It's very wet. We've got three big rivers flowing through. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't burn a lot, but when it does, and when it did, um, it was one of those 
perfect situations and you hear it in big incidents all the time it was the the perfect storm right the winds hit right the the temperature hit right the humidity hit right and so it goes so we we don't have a very big wildland program uh in our county as a result because it doesn't burn all that often so we um the bridges if you google bozeman montana you're going to see a picture of the bridges it's the m trailhead it's right outside of town bridge bowl where i work ski patrolling um, it's the it's the heart and soul of, of Bozeman. It's right there. We've got more trails out our front door than you can even imagine. Um, don't move there. It's a terrible place. It's ugly, and don't tell your friends in California about it. Um, <laughs> but uh, but it's it's a, just a gorgeous range. And uh, we had a, a, a fire. I was on duty, and we saw a, a tiny little smoke plume. It looked like you just put out a match uh, right above the end, which is like our Chautauqua. If you go right outside of town, it's hundreds of people a day are on this trail. It's it's right there, right? It's September. It's a gorgeous fall day, and uh, and I just looked over at a couple guys and I was like, "That needs to go out right now, or we're in trouble." Red flag warning: humidity, wind, the whole nine. And we sat, we watched it, and it it blew up, and it burned, and it burned bad. You sat because it wasn't like in your jurisdiction. Yeah, there's. I mean, you don't need to go into. Yeah, it too much, I mean, but. there's. You know, we said we don't. Um, not not in the city. So as as city guys, we don't. We we can't really self dispatch to it. There's a right. bunch of politics involved. I mean, fuck, man. There's politics and all of it, right? Like, right. It is what it is, and and that's not why we didn't go. We we did go eventually. We did go a little bit later, but again, we're we're dealing with people who had to leave. It's because it wasn't in the city, and we're the only paid department on that side of town you're it's a volunteer department that covers that right so guys have to leave their job or leave their house to go to a station to get it and you know in a house fire the fire doubles in size every minute basically yeah so if you think about that every minute it takes for you to get there every minute it takes for you to get your gear on every minute it takes for you to get up there, size it up, decide what you want to do. I mean, we're, we're half an hour in, we're an hour in and this thing, you know, if you can get it very, very quickly and we were in the city and we were around here and we had, you know, LA County fire that we could have sent 65 guys up to, it would have been nothing. It would have been gone out in 45 minutes and we would have been out back eating dinner. We don't have that in Montana. So it started to grow. It started to grow. We watched it. We started sort of mounting a response. Um, Again, no no fault of, of anyone, but it it grew, it blew up and made the ridge the next day. And you know, we're a long way. This is in September where California is having one of its most historic Augusts ever. So every resource in the country is out here. So we don't we're, you know, I we woke up the next morning to to go get on this thing and there were not detracting from from anyone in any way but there were 20 guys there 18 of which are volunteer firefighters right they're giving up their it was labor day weekend they're giving up their labor day weekend with their families to go be out drowning worms in the lake to to be up there you know not a ton of experience there were a couple of experienced guys maybe here and there but um and it was a recipe for disaster and it, it ripped up the whole eastern side of the bridgers and it was some of the the most unreal fire behavior I've ever seen, um, and I hope by the fire. Yeah, it, I mean the wind. wind it, oh, okay. So the the bridges are this. It, it's a funnel. The way the wind comes yeah, up, and, yeah. and we've been saying it for years. I've been saying it for years. Like when this goes, it's going to go, and it's going to go bad. Um, and it 
sure as shit did. And we were holding on for dear life. We can't do anything. There's nothing we can, you know, we don't have enough water. We don't have enough people. We don't have enough resources. So it, we did the best we could. We went to a couple houses and um, man, it was, it was something else. It was pretty, it was pretty unreal, but, um, and then it snowed. snowed the next day, saved the ski resort. Wow. Um, you know, unfortunately 30 some people lost their houses, but, um, yeah, it was, it was unreal. Wow. Yeah. I hope this summer's a little bit better. Oh we'll man. Oh man. Fire season. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. It's um, coming. Things are dry. Things are dry. All right, man. Well, we're, we're going to switch gears from that. Okay. Okay. We're going to go into the question section. All right. You, all feel, right. you feel good about questions? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Question number one is, okay. So the, you, for a long time, you were wanting to be a firefighter. This was like a dream of yours. Yep. And now you are a firefighter. And there was a certain point within that span of time that you, I would say it was probably was the catalyst. Like was, or was it, maybe there was a time period that was like the catalyzing time period where you went from being like wanting to be to like becoming. Was there a moment, was there a time period that comes to mind that that was that for you? Your breakthrough moment? Yeah, absolutely. So it actually, um, so when it took me six years from when I decided I want to be a firefighter to getting hired, right? So it took, I was a volunteer that whole time, you know, going to trainings on my own dime, volunteering. Um, I graduated college in 2008, went to my first fire academy, you know, mom and Chris paid for it, right? And um, went to my first academy, started volunteering with Lafayette Fire, and I, I took every test. I took Denver, I took Aurora, I took Boulder, I took, I'd show up to test. This was 2008, 2009 where every single city in the nation is on a hiring freeze, right? Right after this depression, right? there's no money. Everybody's right. cutting budgets. Guys are getting fired. There's, you know, I'd go into tests with 5,000 guys for three spots, right? I'm going in with special forces soldiers. I'm going in with guys who, who moved here from California with 12 years on at LA city, right? Like no chance in hell. <laughs> um, Damn. But it was, you know, that was the, that was the, the climate then it was 2008 it was 2009 uh still post 2011 right still 9-11 or 2001 i'm sorry still post 9-11 so everybody wanted to be a fireman they saw the fdmy guys everybody wanted you know from 2001 to 2010 everybody wanted to be a fireman yeah that's what you did um so i started at the tail end of that i obviously couldn't get hired i was super green like i said i just wanted a t-shirt and to tell chicks i was a fireman right sure unfortunately um <clears throat> So, I, you know, I worked at a bike shop and of course, full circle on that, I met my wife uh, and I actually quit. I was on a, a fire, I ran a bad uh, PD, a, a bad kid call and I was up on a fire outside of Boulder as a volunteer. And I was like, man, I could be hanging out with this girl I'm in love with right now. Why am I, why am I doing this? This sucks. I could be hanging out with her. So I actually quit. Um, and I just, I'd race bikes for a while and got into some, some different things there and, and was living life pretty large. Right. Um, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I, I had had two or three years as a volunteer already. All my certs expired, of course. And, and I, every fire truck that drove by, I just looked out like a little kid, you know, and, and finally one day Lane was just like, Hey, what are you doing? If that's what you want to do. Go do it again. 
Look, you're right. You're right. Um, that's what I want to do. So I went all in on it. And, and that was, that was the kicker. I was just like, yeah, this is what I'm meant to do. This is what I'm here for. Um, so I, I bit the bullet and went to medic school was the big thing. And then, you know, as soon as I graduated medic school, I got hired and, you know, now I've worked for three different departments since then. And <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. So that was, that was it for sure to get back into it. Nice. Um, okay. Yeah, that's great. Um, Lane was the catalyst. <laughs> of course she was. Everything Lane, in my again, life. Lane's, Lane's, wisdom, was, yeah. Lane's wisdom was the catalyst. Uh, all right, cool. I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you guys want some catalyst in your life. Listen to Lane's yeah. episode. <laughs> You'll get it. Inspire you. Man, I, I, yeah, I wake up every day and I'm like, how can I earn her today? You know? <laughs> pretty nice it's a pretty good way to be that's cool yeah uh, all right so question two is uh i mean you and i talk about this concept a lot and you've heard you know the books about it and the flow state is the oh, concept yeah. and flow state is this thing and, and you're an athlete you're a firefighter you, you like you've just done athletics in so many different ways and gotten into flow state in so many different ways and times um what's like a standout flow state moment that you can tell us about from your life switching gears that has nothing to do with fighting fire though yeah skiing powder yeah oh man there there was a day when we first moved to bozeman talk about skiing powder a little bit like dive into that because if you don't if you've never done it then you don't know the feeling and it's otherworldly it is it just especially like deep cold smoke montana powder Or, or i mean Alpha Jackson, you know, Utah, Colorado, take your pick. They don't suck. No. Um, <laughs> there's just something about looking down and, and, and it's, it's riding the single track, pinning awesome single track ride or, or catching that barrel right there. You know, like it's things just slow down and you, you, for, for skiing powder for me, man, I, I selfishly, I skied a lot of powder this year. It was a good year. February, we, February was the biggest February at, at Bridger Bowl ever. Um, Whoa! Yeah, came off a terrible December and January, but um, there was this time in, in early. So we wake up, we we have this ridge that we control, avalanche control. And when I first moved to Bridger Bowl or to Bozeman, and I got hired somehow. I don't know. I think I owe them my third born child or something. <laughs> um, man, I got hired, and I was up on the morning with the ski patrol director, who's this like wise old sage. And he's just talking the whole time. He's like, oh, on the south wind, you want to look at this, and then you want to kick this, and we're just moving along the ridge. We're watching the sunrise. It's nuking powder. You know, we got 18 inches. It's uh, We're just, like, trudging through with some of the best people, the most professional ski patrols you'll ever meet. <laughs> and we're throwing bombs off a ridge, right, like making avalanches. It's so awesome. And then, and then he looks up, and he goes, okay, you ready to ski patrol your ass off? I'm like, yeah. And just, just drops off. And, and, you know, we did all the work. We made all the avalanches. We're, we're safe to ski. And we just, you know, ski 2,000 feet vertical of cold smoke powder in this perfect tip pitch. It is just, like, I remember just feeling the, the snow hitting my thighs as I'm dropping into each turn. And, you know, literally bring a snorkel. It's hitting you in the face. And I remember thinking, like, oh, man, I made it. This is it. I guess is it. I made it. There's nothing else in the world. This is what you, this is what you work for. This is what you. This is it. What else is there? And uh, 
I still have that feeling. Yeah. You know, whether it's 30 seconds, 10 seconds, two seconds, <laughs> man, you just, you drop in and you're weightless and you drop down and your quads are screaming at you and you're choking on snow and you just get get to the bottom with the biggest shitty and smile you've ever had. And everybody, <laughs> you can't be in a bad mood, right? You can be, I don't know. When you get to the bottom of that, life is pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of what it would be like to be on the moon, like mm-hmm. the weightless element. Because mm-hmm. when you jump from turn to turn, yeah, you you like there's the surface of the snow and you just go right through it like it's nothing, but it sort of catches you slowly as if you're jumping on the moon and, and you're like coming down and you're it, bouncing. Yeah. 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 And there's the silent element. Oh you know, like you're oh like yeah. Powder is silent, but there's this like yeah. like soft crunchiness, but and then like time is gone. Oh yeah. And your bills that you gotta pay, Not you're this and that, yep. like you have zero connection. And you wear a big moon suit with a helmet <laughs> you and goggles, are, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. it's all what. Yeah, and you're going down with other astronauts and you're like <laughs> doing hand signals to communicate oh. <laughs> yeah man that's that's pretty darn good yeah that's pretty darn good to be looking at a, at a wide open powder field and yeah i haven't done it on skis but on a snowboard it's like i just love how you can just almost lean back and just float and fly through just this like yeah. like do a cloud yeah. You're like snowboarding on a cloud. Yeah. Hard pack icy days are like the absolute opposite of that. Yeah. Um, on skis, I think it's probably a little bit different because yeah, you have two sure. edges to work with. Right, right. You're more stable. And those days suck, but same thing. Like, I mean, it's still like, it's like fishing. It's yeah. better, better than right? like <laughs> a bad day of fishing here, is better than a good day of work. My line is always, you know, I'm up there with, again, the best ski patrollers on the planet. And sure, it's a shitty ski day, whatever but someone's sitting in Tennessee looking at an Excel spreadsheet in their cubicle right now. Right. You kidding me? Right. Yeah. I got it. I got it pretty good. Yeah. Totally. totally. Oh, that's great. Um, Okay. Next question is uh, okay. What is your advice to aspiring creatives? And I'm using the word creative very loosely. It's more like, anyone who wants to go after a life built off of their craft their skill their vision their dream anything along those lines what's your advice and you got to push the envelope you know you really have to um it's easy to sit there and think that it's all been done before and i'm not going to do anything new or original but but it's just not true right? There's so much still to be discovered. There's so much still to be new. Um, you see it in, in every industry, I think, you know, whether it's a technology or a skill or a, a anything to, to really push the envelope. And if, if you have a vision and you have a dream and you have something to do, um, to, to go for it, you know, and you're, you're going to fucking fall on your face. Like, you know, that crawl, walk, run, fall method right like that's how we need to do it um because that's where you're gonna do it and and man if i quit every time i heard no or that's a dumb idea you know i wouldn't i wouldn't be anywhere if 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 you quit every time that someone said that's a dumb idea and you've had some dumb ideas yeah a couple (laughs) dumb ideas i've had more than a couple (laughs) but to see them through right there's so much value in in learning that on your own And, and again putting that in your Rolodex of like, man, I, I thought that was a good idea. And it, it, 
it wasn't, but but determining why it wasn't right was it what did you was it a bad idea because you there was something that you weren't seeing with it or was it a bad idea because you know you got unlucky with it right there's right. there's a, di- a bunch of different ways to go about doing that and to to really as you gain that experience and as you make those mistakes and you tweak it and you make it better and you go there and you push the envelope and and you're probably gonna burn a couple bridges on the way you're probably gonna lose a couple friends along the way you're probably gonna you know get kicked in the teeth a couple times um but think of how much better you're gonna be at the end of it and whether whether your creative idea is the one that flourishes or it leads you to another completely one. The only way you're going to get there is by by testing those waters, by pushing that envelope and not being afraid to take that first step. So as cliche as that is, man, I think that's the only, yeah, I don't know. I made a bunch of bad decisions in my time, but made some good ones. Yeah. Um, you're definitely not going to make any of the shots that you don't take. Ah, uh, yes. Another cliche. Yeah. Um, but it's very true. It's true. And if people just, sit back and don't take shots then they're for sure not going to make anything are we taking shots right now uh well we got whiskey on the shelf that we could get into <laughs> oh, for part shit. two seems like an appropriate call though, i mean it is like <laughs> 1 22 p.m so but we're on vacation vibration I'm right vacation. now <laughs> <laughs> um okay we got one more question for okay. you and you kind of already answered this right. but i'd like you to kind of repackage it and sum it up one more time for us okay What's your definition of art? My definition of art, I think is, is taking your interpretation of, of something and making it your own. So, so taking, taking a task, taking a vision, taking a, taking anything that you see and, and making it yours so to relate it to bring it all together my vision of art is i was taught by this guy from denver fire to do this task this way my interpretation of that is to say okay i'm going to take this 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 and this from that from what he taught me and then i'm going to put this twist on it i'm going to make it this i'm going to creatively put this on it right so for you, it's seeing something, you see the world differently than I do. Being able to take that, interpret it your way, and then spit it back out is where the art comes from. Being able to take a, a like I said, the trash man, being able to take a task of, you need to get those 374 trash cans in this side of town in your trash truck by 11 o'clock taking that information, interpreting it, and then doing it with your own twist. So he does it this way. He can, he knows traffic's bad on this side of town right here. So he's going to take this way. He's going to hit this alley this way. He's going to go north to south. He's going to go left here. Boom, 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 boom. Whereas somebody who doesn't have that same artistic talent is going to go and they're going to be like, oh, well, I'm just going to drive up this road and then I'm going to take a right. I'm going to go down this road. And it's, it's bland. It doesn't have the same me seeing that surf break and I'm going to try and put it on a canvas doesn't have the same artistic talent that you do. You trying to force a commercial side, Charlie side door 
doesn't have the same artistic creativity talent that I do. So everybody's got their own art. And again, to this last question, to be able to push that envelope and find a new way to do it or put your own spin on it is, is what makes it an art, is what makes it a craft. Totally. Yep. And I think, I mean, the visual that I get from what you're talking about is like the fractal nature of art in every single form in that there's always going to be a space for a new branch off of the branches that are created off the branches from before. Yep. So like the guy that you learned from Denver Fire, you bring your life experience and maybe because of this experience that you had in a different situation, like ski patrolling, you have an idea that comes to that and then you create this new thing that's never existed. For sure. And then you teach it one to one of these volunteer guys and they're like, hey, actually I'm a carpenter. And yep. that makes me think about this like joist that we that we always use and we can put that together and then boom, something new is made off of it. Yeah, absolutely. And like, it'll always keep going. And it's funny because people will talk about like modern art and how like everything's been done so art is dead right. but another thing that happens not only are the people the individuals bringing their own life experience and time it's like times and context are changing like the world yeah. of art is very different now since covid happened since black lives matter yeah. everything like like art comedy music everything um film industries everything is different because of these contexts like you can't just throw out a piece right now and have it have the same exact effect as it sure. did in 2019. For sure. It's like, so not only do you, it's like, there's so many variables involved that you never need to worry about like being yeah. uh, the same as before. Like there's no room to grow. And I think a lot of people like have that feeling, especially when you're at the bottom looking up, Right. you see the standout of each genre and then you're like wow those guys are amazing i'll never be able to like they've done so much in a lifetime one thought is i won't be able to do that because sure. there's so it's like such a great mountain to climb right. and then the other thought is like well there's that person who did that there's that person who did that there's really no room for me right. but it, instead like you kind of have to look to the gaps and sure. know that like what you are doesn't exist yet so there's nothing to see yet but but just like knowing that if you walk that path, the steps will, you know, materialize yeah. as you go and For then sure. you're going to find your place and then you'll be one of those people eventually. Yeah. Or you won't. That's or maybe you won't. <laughs> yeah. But there is a possibility. For sure. It's definitely not like closed. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I like I that. It. I love it. All right. Well, uh, this is the part where I thank my guests. So I would like to say thank you for being on the podcast. I've been yeah. thinking about this one for so long and I feel like it really rounds out the concept of the podcast to have you on. And it just opens the door for like more and more. I just want to have it like the main point is that like, we're all artists. Yeah, We're absolutely. all craftspeople in our own genre. And, um, you know, and so then this is a great example of that. And yeah and cam i love you so much i love you too you're the best brother a brother could ever ask for ah come on thanks um, for getting me mom man i appreciate it let me sleep on your couch for a couple days oh man it's so great it's so great because <laughs> i've slept on yours a bunch yes now it's good to get you here i'm a little bit uh i don't have the same um life structure that you do so i'm a little bit 
free or floating, but you got away and you're here. Yeah. And uh, and now you're trail make, blazing a trail for next time you guys come down and that's cool. Um, okay, so this is the end of part one. And to end part one, we want to get one last bit of wisdom for the humans. And this can be about anything. Oh, man. I think we, we really can sum it all up with our, with what we decided to do. And I was 14 and you were 18, maybe mm -hmm. one fateful night in Mexico. And we determined at a young age that life is experience and moderation is key. Yeah. You can pretty much circle it all back to that. Anything we've talked about. And balance is everything. Balance. There is was everything. three parts to three it. Three parts to it. Yep. The triangle. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the circle. Yeah. Unintended. Yeah. Good one. Uh, yeah. Right. I mean, that's it. So if you can, if you can live. It's the balance between moderation and experience yeah for sure wow same thing that i was talking about with fire service same thing that we're dealing with on a daily basis same thing we're dealing with society today like yeah a little bit of moderation a little bit of balance a lot of experience you're gonna be all right boom part one folks we'll be right back <laughs> with whiskey yes <laughs> again this podcast is brought to you by high ground coffee an adventure coffee brand with a new twist on brewing coffee, wherein you steep coffee like it's a tea. You just drop a packet in hot water and you go. It's the newest way to brew coffee and it's awesome. Use coupon code TAYLOR at checkout for 15% off. Visit them at myadventurecoffee.com. That's myadventurecoffee.com. And we're back. Okay, so I think we should do is start with the cheers. And uh, why don't you tell the group what we have here? You're the expert. I mean, this is my bottle, but you know more about it than I do. Uh, my buddy Corey gave me this. Corey Cameron, who's also been on the podcast, one of the first ones. That was a great episode. Uh, he gave me this for my birthday, and I've been enjoying it during podcasts with people. He's got good taste, that's for sure. The Glenlivet Founders Reserve, American Oak Selection, uh, single malt scotch. It's good stuff. I'm glad you developed the scotch taste. Yeah. It's important. Yeah. And so then scotch is more of the like peaty. It, why don't you talk a little oh, bit about yeah. it? I don't really know that much. One of uh, the, the bike guy here, Gordon Yeager, yeah. um, he, he's from Kentucky. And so oh, he yeah. always has a bottle. He, sometimes he'll just send a bottle with me. And Ooh. so I love talking with him about stuff. And, and there's people so much more knowledgeable than me about it. And I, I like... I like bourbons. I like the whiskeys and, and stuff like that. I like single malt scotches. Um, my palate is nowhere near, nor my knowledge on, on some of that stuff, but, but a good single malt can't go wrong. Can't go wrong. Oh um, yeah. My, you know, Forrest, right? Donahoe. Yep. Um, he lived in Scotland for, for a while. Oh, when we got married, um, he brought back a really nice bottle of like a Glenlivet uh, 20 something, maybe really nice bottle of scotch. And uh, I like really smoky scotches and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and Lane and I got in a fight one time and she goes straight to the liquor cabinet, pulls out this, you know, $250 bottle of scotch and just glug, 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 glug puts like ice in there and water and i'm just like oh this like sacrilegious she went straight <laughs> for it you know <laughs> for the jugular <laughs> yeah she, this, this is our fight she knew how to <laughs> she get you <laughs> it, it was brutal oh my god that's awesome <laughs> 
Um, okay. Let me let me ask you some questions. Oh, you want to ask me a question? Yeah. Has anybody ever interviewed interview you? Occasionally, people flip it. Yeah. 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 It's important to do, I think. Yeah. As soon as I said that, I was like, "Fuck!" Now I need some questions to ask. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to ask one right off the off the bat, but you right, can think, of, you can think about it, and it, yeah. it comes back. Yeah. I was gonna see if you wanted to maybe talk about the experience of being a father. Oh man, that's a good one. Yeah. I may cry. I'm a crier. That's all right. <laughs> you, I mean, we're drinking scotch whiskey. Yeah. Like, it, 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 let it flow. Oh, man. It's, uh, I'll try and be as non-cliche as possible, but it is the, it is, it changes every single thing about who you are. Um, your entire priorities, the way that you view things, the way that what you care about, what you, I mean, I remember riding, riding bikes in Park City with Bob and Marco. And like, I used to race mountain bikes at, at a good level, you know, and, uh, and I, this was right out, this, I think Lane was still pregnant. I wasn't even a dad. I mean, I guess I was, I was a dad still, um, but I, you know, she's still pregnant. Scout wasn't even out yet. And and Bob's waiting at the bottom and Marco's waiting at the bottom. And I'm just like riding my brakes down the whole way. This whole descent, it was a smooth descent, nothing scary about it, you know? And I get to the bottom and I'm like, oh, like I rode my bike differently. It's such <laughs> caution with such just like, oh my gosh, I can't, I can't wreck my bike. Cause then I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna leave lane without, you know, just like completely existential crisis the whole nine. Um, it just, it changes the way that I, you know, I used to, Saturdays were for six hour rides, eight hour rides and training and all this stuff. And now, man, if I can go for a 45 minute run from my house down the street, like it's a win, you know, and it, it just changes your perspective on anything. And man, you, cause you don't want to be gone that much. Yeah. You don't want it. Like, you know, I, 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 I've been gone for less than 24 hours and I miss my kids. Like I, I, I miss what they're saying. I miss, sleeping with, you know, cuddling with them at night, reading them books. And like, you think you love some things you think, like, you think you love me and I love you. Yeah. You think you love your mom, your sister, Chris, like you, you think, you think you love Haley, but man, when you have a kid like this, this love and, and watching your spouse have a child and bear a child. Like you think you love your wife until you watch her have a baby. And all of a sudden she's just this like, heroic goddess woman that just did this unimaginable feat that we could never ever do and and just seeing her do it and then watching her be a mom and like it just it changes your 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 relationship with her it changes your your view on the world and like what's important and man it's so cool and it's fucking exhausting and i've never been more tired and poor and stressed and <laughs> <laughs> all those things too but you don't like it who cares right like when you're reading the bear snores on with one of your girls and they're psyched because you know the bear sneezes at the end like i don't give a shit about the bills and the debt and the mortgage and you know the job and like that doesn't matter they don't care about that and just to watch them grow and to and to see uh uh something that you instilled in them you know my kids are the first year is hard it was hard on me like you don't don't do anything you don't you don't get any reward out of it they just want their mom and you're just trying to you're just useless right they're just breastfeeding and 
you're tired, but you get up at night and you try to help and you're, nothing, nothing will make you feel more useless in this world than the first six months of your child's life. <laughs> um, but man, it's, it's awesome. And they're at the age now too, where like I can start teaching them lessons and teaching them how to be good people. And, you know, I've had people just say like, man, your girls are so good. They say, thank you. And they say, please. And you know, most of that's Dottie, right? Most of that's grandma coming through <laughs> our parents. That's coming through us. That's coming through, you know, like I don't take any credit for it, but watching them and the way they interact with other people and how comfortable they are with people and how well they can talk to other people and, and how nice they are to other kids and how, um, how smart they are. And just seeing some of that, like, fuck, man, it makes you proud. It, it's cool. Yeah. I don't know. I love being a dad. <laughs> that small, small topic. To go up there. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then the next topic that I feel like that leads to is, um, your, so you just got a van oh, yeah. hashtag hashtag van life and it goes along with you raising the girls and you know like wanting to take them on more adventures for sure and that van situation looks oh, great dude's got bunk beds it's <laughs> awesome so we got the van when uh sort of right after covid when it was schools were shut down everything's from home and we're like well man if we're gonna learn remotely quote unquote i, I can learn remotely in the middle of the sawtooth wilderness in Idaho or, you know, up in the flathead region of Northwest Montana, like I can learn remotely anywhere. Mm -hmm. um, and I think at this age, it's, it's more important to teach them, right? We grew up it's skiing, hiking, camping, um, going on rivers every now and again, you know, and, 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 and learning all that stuff, but not to the level and I have such fond memories of those, but, um, you know, looking at what my girls get to do, like we did 10 days in Idaho this, this fall, just in our van out of the cooler, you know, and they saw some of the, the raddest places, man, Scout's been on, you know, she's been to more States in three years than, you know, than half the people I know who are 30 and, yeah. and we don't travel all that often. Like people obviously travel more than we do. We're poor, but you know, we, we make the best of it. And, you know, Scout had a season past her bigger bowl when she was six months old. And <laughs> it's, it, I think it's important, right? Because as, as our society goes down that road and see what you will about millennials and Gen Z and whatever generation my kids are going to be, um, you know, people my age don't know how to start a chainsaw or clean a fish. Um, and I think that's an important score, start fire or, you know, like, um, and being able to be there and see different places, I think is, is so invaluable for, for them. And I think they're learning a lot through that and, and social school is important, right? Being able, but they're, when they're five and three, like, let's get the man and go. Dogs, yeah. And the dogs can come and we got a shitty 2008 dodge that didn't start all winter and i had to call chris and now you know to get this thing to start but man we have a lot of fun it's got bunk beds it's got bunk beds it's got bunk beds i mean you can camp in the front driveway oh yeah and we will yes. and we do. yeah yeah <laughs> if you need yeah 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 
You guys did some good camping around here, though, right? Joshua Tree. Uh-huh. Up, uh, we're just probably it's an Outcast song. Uh, Idlewild. Idlewild. Mm-hmm. Outcast album, actually. Yep. 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 It was yep. like a theatrical album of theirs. It was when Andre 3000 was getting into acting and theater. That's right. That's yeah. Right. They do a horror movie too? Or was that just the Key and Peele? Later? I think that was Key and Peele. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Idlewild. Yep. It's good. Idlewild's great. It's like two hours from here from Carlsbad and it's at like 5,000 feet. It snows there. There's alpine mm-hmm. trees. It's an awesome little town. And then there's a really good hike there. And mm-hmm. um, again, it totally sucks. Nobody should go there yeah, very yeah, often. Yeah. Please. um it's our little favorite spot but yeah it's sweet we just like i've gotten my camping scene really dialed in with like my camping bins and every time we go we like have a list on our phone that nice back to the notes you know keep a list of like you know it'd be nice is this or that or that and so then we get that before the next trip and then camping boxes are really dialed in and then the rav4 goes everywhere and alien nova fit perfectly and worst case well worst case scenario i have a blow-up mattress that fits perfectly in the back of that and so like if it's super cold out and we like you know we can go in the car and yeah it's good they'll see it's good yeah when the dog water freezes when you wake up in the morning oh shit that's cold yeah got my question for you Oh, you got a question yep okay all right so you throughout your artistic career yeah have have made art out of all sorts of different materials. Not making art out of materials, but but painting on different materials, right? Mm-hmm. I've got burlap sacks, windows, skateboards, canvas, walls, yeah. right? Yeah. How has your evolution gone to that? Mural is a big part of your game right now. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, the opposite of Idlewild and Idaho, you live in a city, in a mm-hmm. metropolitan area. And Fuck, man, I've been here for 20 hours and I've seen your work on half the walls in this town. <laughs> so how has that evolved for you? Because I'm looking at a, a canvas of yours, too. And I saw, you know, went to your and seen your evolution as an artist. I've watched. But how is your evolution? How has surface played a part in that? Good question. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that was a good one. Yeah. Well developed. Sure. Sure. Um, well, you know, I've kind of gone in a purist direction oh. and really gotten to the refinement of the canvas. And uh, I still have the ideas of, of like doing a series, putting together all these different materials and then like doing something like that. But I think that that needs to be like an intentional, like this is going to be a series. This is my intention with the series is going to be supported by these different materials that are going to tell a story in their own right. I think a lot of the the material throwing in at the like in college time and after that, where it was like burlap sacks and things like yeah. that, I was really just like throwing spaghetti at the wall and yeah. to see what sticks. Now I've got it in my Rolodex and yeah. it's there. And I I know that like when I want to do that, like there was one piece that I feel like some of them were visually interesting because they added something different to it like you, we're all used to seeing a canvas and then this was like oh that paint that's painted on this and that and that right. and that's interesting visually and texturally um but it didn't really it's kind of just like another layer to the thing 
which is good in itself. But then um, there's certain ones that like, it was like part of the composition that added a layer. So there was one that I did, uh, it was a portrait of Biggie and there were all these materials and in like the spot where his head was, I put a, uh, a bicycle crank, like the gear. Oh yeah. And which is like, you know, his mind, the way it was like turning and churning and like, it just like gave this feeling like you knew exactly what it, it just worked so well yeah and so then that like those ideas are all in there in my mind and i think that at some point i'm going to do a series where i like figure out the imagery and then put the context together and then go find those materials that are going to support it and then yeah. do it intentionally um but pushing then on the envelope pushing the envelope taking it even farther mm -hmm. yeah yeah. But then right now what I'm doing is uh, I'm, I'm kind of going back to the basics, like the essence of it. And like, I'm stretching my own canvases mm -hmm. and I'm like learning the best technique of that and like the folding over and then like priming. I'm going back to like, I don't want to buy store-bought canvases. I want to stretch my own and hear that. Like, yeah, it's tight, like a drum. Like that's how you want it. And very tight. Very tight. And uh, you know, and then like doing, layers of gessoing there's an art to stretching canvas there's an art to gessoing and priming right and then and then taking that intentionality into like like the canvas is already awesome sure. before it's even a thing to that it becomes a painting and um yeah so so right now i'm kind of like on the opposite end of the the pendulum swing right but it's all there and yeah but that's so huge man the I love it because that's right where I'm at right now to sort of stick with me here. The same, basic. same, but different. Same, same, different, different. Yeah, yeah. sure. Uh, the basics, right? So coming back to the basics. So you, you get into art, you get into firemanship and you, you see all this stuff, right? The, the big murals, all these cool abstract stuff that some of the most amazing artists, firefighters, and you take classes and you do some things and you, you're like, man, I want to be there, right? I want to do that. And so you push the envelope, you, you find your way, you're, you're throwing spaghetti at the wall, you're, you're trying to get there. But then you realize as you do it for a while and you make some mistakes and you have some successes and you, you get there, you don't get there because there's no fucking there. But you realize that really what makes all of that good is that foundation, that basic. Yeah. Right. And so for me, it's literally getting off the rig with a purpose, being able to put my mask on with a purpose, because that takes time. Yeah. Being able to do this efficiently, effectively, smooth and fast, being able to stretch your own canvas, just so it start from the bottom up and have a have that basic is what makes it amazing. Right. It's what makes it advanced is being so good at the basics that it becomes advanced right so and in that pendulum that you're talking about like that's a cool place to be because you have swung this side you have seen this and then to come back right where it all started and realize that you skipped all of this yeah because you wanted to get there because it looked cool yep but but really man to come back to that is a it's a special feeling. That's that's a special feeling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do anything for it. Um, <laughs> no, totally. And uh, it's like the pendulum is swinging, and that's I mean, a pendulum swinging is like a two-dimensional um, 
line of motion but really what it kind of reminds me of more is like the oscillation of a planet around the sun and it's an oblong like an oval and and it like goes out here into the new um, advanced area and then you come back to the pure elements like the essence of it and you know thinking about those times with all those different materials i was pushing the envelope of like what could be used and how could it be put together and like i was pushing the envelope in terms of the imagery and the design, just like trying, trying anything and everything and not really, but like now that I look at those paintings, I see all these ways that they could be a lot quote unquote better in my world. And the ways that they could be better are like the essence of painting. Like right now, um, this guy, Chris Fornatero, who I had on the show uh, a couple of episodes before I've been watching him on YouTube and he's like a, he's really kind of like an essential painter, like using oil paint, the way that like Rembrandt did and all these different like classic painters, like using a, a lot of paint and pulling it, never pushing it, like use like technique of yeah. applying paint, oh, yeah. which I never, I used to shred brushes because I would just like, like fuck them up. Yeah. And that's not the way that a brush is meant to, it's a brush is a tool and it's meant, it works great if you use it like this, if you use it like that, it's going to do whatever. And I was doing that to make it whatever, but now I'm getting into like, really like layering brush strokes, like, you know, and it start, it's like calling on me artistically. Like I, I feel this connection to like Van Gogh right. and all these amazing painters that are like classic painters. And I feel like, like that's where my pen, my, my planet is in that zone right now. And then, and with this like oscillation that happens, it seems like those oscillations are going to happen multiple times in your career, oh, yeah. you know, speaking from an artist's perspective For sure. and every time you come back to the other side you have gained all this energy and knowledge and wisdom from the time that you were like in the pure zone to the time you're in the experimental zone and then when you come back to the pure you're like this layers this many layers deeper and then you know and that's why as an artist i think if you can stay alive until you're (laughs) 90 and you can keep like making art there's going to be this sweet spot where it's like everything comes together and you've got the best of the purity, the best of the experimentation, and you've got your mind, body, spirit, all in alignment where you can put it all together and like, boom. And, you know, and, and I'd like to think that maybe I'm like approaching in the next like five years or so, I can get into that zone and maybe stay in that zone for like 25 years and just make ridiculous shit. And that's where like, you don't think you're going to oscillate from there? No, I will. And I'll continue to oscillate, but I think all the pieces will be there. And then the oscillations will be happening like in, in a whole different atmosphere. Right. But like the, the great, like it'll be in like the great full swing of things. Mm-hmm. Um, you think you're going to get there? <laughs> no. There is no. There. I know the answer is no. <laughs> no. Yeah, <but> you're <laughs> going to get there. <laughs> oh we're trying to yeah, yeah shit you just got me you just you yeah. just jujitsued me i walked you into that one damn that's all right that got me <laughs> i think that to contrast that i think that's important though right and however in that, that maybe is, maybe this whiskey is getting me a little overzealous yeah, sure. here <laughs> yeah, that's definitely the problem <laughs> i think that that sweet spot that flow state whatever you want to call it, that time period it it, it changes in duration, right? It could be a week, it could be a year, it could be 10 years, it could be 25. Um, but you're not going to be in control of it. No. Nope. And 
uh, you're sure as shit not going to know it when you're in it. Right? You're going to look back and be like, oh man, things were good. Life outside, right? Your mindset, your, your everything else, your, your experiences from this side and that side. And you're going to look back and be like, oh man, I was there. Right? So, but, you, but when you're in that spot, you're going to want to keep moving, right? You're going to want to be, whether, whether you're on this basic side or this experimental side, yep. you know, you're going to, whether you're going this way on it and you catch that sweet spot in there and maybe it's a year, whatever it happens to be, and you're just making badass art and you're, everything's great, 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 great. Right. But you're still going to, because you're you and you want to keep pushing and you want to keep making, you're going to inevitably, you're going to keep swaying, mm-hmm. right. You're going to pull yourself out of that whether intentionally or unintentionally, you're going to pull yourself out of that. And then you're going to look back and you're going to try and get back into it. Right. So you're going to go basic and then you're going to try and get back into it. Cause you're like, fuck, 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 I'm too here. And then you're going to swing back and maybe you catch it on the way back. Maybe you don't, but you're going to end up back here. And so instead of having one 25 year period where you think you're, you're right there, maybe you have five, five year periods. Yeah. Where every time you catch it here, you got this nice chunk where, well, you're, you know, I guess I'm not saying that I'll be like my oscillation will stop right. for a 25 year period. I guess I'm saying that enough oscillations and then you have gained the wisdom and knowledge and know how and hours and whatnot to get you to where that what you're putting out. If you if you can stay present, if you can not get caught up in your ego, not get caught up in the past don't get connected to like, like attached to things that you've done and try to stay in one place, one style that worked because people bought a bunch of it there or whatever. Right. As long as you can stay present and fresh and continue asking questions and keep going, like you have crossed the threshold into where like things are in the sweet spot. Like Frank Gehry is a, um, he's a, an architect who's just like unbelievable. And um, he's like, I read an article in the New York times about him recently that he's like 85 and still just crushing. He's like, why would I quit? Everything's just like yeah. amazing right now. I got to keep going. There's more work. And so he's like, yeah. he got in there and then it's like, he, he hit that sweet spot sure. and, and just, like, just keep going. Yeah. Don't stop. Just go, go, go. Yeah. Which is great too, but you're already old. So it might take a little, you know, maturity. I'm old. <laughs> How old are you now? You're like, you're, you've crossed the old line. I don't think I'm old. Yeah, me either. I feel old. Do you? Oh, yeah. 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 I guess, I don't know. There's days when I feel old and then there's days where I'm like, I got, I'm so young. It's, no, it's good sure. to hang out with people that are older than you. <laughs> <laughs> you get the, the perspective, man. It's, about, it's perspective. about perspective and relativity. If we're all on the same path, just people are farther along and not as far along (laughs) (laughs) oh man anyway uh i hope i didn't offend anybody there did you are you offending people i don't know you never know these days you never know my intention is not to offend people right i'll say that you know what no matter what though you're gonna offend someone yeah right that's just that's just the culture that we're in right now you can say the sky is blue and fuck 49% 49% of the population is going to be pissed off about it. Totally. Or 51%, you know, like, it, it's just, that's where we're at now, and I think... Speaking of offending people, <laughs> yeah. I got a question for you. If I could turn my hat around right now, I would. 
Um, so we were talking about this the other day. And so you're a firefighter and I, and you've done wildland fire and you have a perspective on these things. And we were talking about it at the park with our buddy Carlos, who I've mentioned 17 oh, yeah. times. Um, interesting man in the world. He fucking is man. Yeah. <laughs> his episode is a couple before this one. Um, if you guys haven't listened, this guy's a legend. Uh, so <laughs> mom is here. Mom's visiting. We were at the park at dog hour and Carlos is there and we we're talking about um the concept of climate change and i was like i I brought up the fact that we have been going to the mountains we're from uh, boulder outside of boulder we've been going to the mountains to go skiing and snowboarding since we were kids and at that point the mountainsides as you're driving up i-70 are all green Mm, oh boy and now there's this concept of beetle kill and the beetle kill has been happening like progressively over the last like over our lifetime yeah, we've sure. seen it like the mountains in lots of places are going gray right and what my understanding of it is is that and i think it's a really unique thing that we got to see this progression mm-hmm. because a lot of people don't necessarily get to see any effects of what like yeah. if this is attributed to climate change like they don't get to see that unless you live near a glacier or something like that where it's yeah where it's obvious but we've seen this and the idea is that these beetles that live in pine trees pine beetles they will like eat the sap and kill a tree from the inside and then it'll dry it out and it'll die and then it'll like turn brown and then gray it's a big fucking tinderbox and it's like the in the past winters got cold enough for long enough where it would kill off these beetles and enough at a, at a time that they didn't take over and then the forests were totally healthy right now it's crazy to drive out by 70 from denver to vale yep. uh because it's like whole mountainsides are that way for sure what are your thoughts on all that a couple different things so um am i incorrect in that thought no there's it? just there's there's more to it right so okay. that's that's one piece of it right the the absolutely right in order and we've needed it for years right in order to get those beetles to go away we need that good deep cold winter right and i'm not an expert on that by any stretch so i you know i, I may sound like an idiot to someone i say that but pretty sure that's the case right so yeah. we, we need that for to kill it right yeah. they don't die in the winter because it's warm enough or, or they yeah um a couple other things to it is from a fire perspective the the, the Forest Service, the BLM, the, the agencies that go out and fight these fires for years and years and years and years since its inception had this model of when a fire starts, we're going to go put it out to save forest, to save the homes that are now built there that weren't built there before. We, we don't want to lose homes, these people's homes, so we're going to go put this fire out. For a long time, they had this like out in 24 hours type of deal where they'd send jumpers in and they'd snuff this fire out right away. Um, so that, that was the model that we used for years and years and years. Um, you'll remember a couple of years ago when California was burning again. Uh, Every that, year? <laughs> yeah, we're not going political with this, but Trump said something along the lines of, well, if they raked the forest, yes. this wouldn't happen, right? And actually, so if you look at the forest floor, because we had this model where it didn't burn, there's this, there's pine duff, there's leaves, there's all this stuff that builds up and builds up and builds up over years. So all of that buildup of stuff, what he was saying was 
all that buildup that usually burns, Native Americans used to burn the forest every year. That's what they did. It's, it's part of the healthy forest. If you look at a forest fire after it rips through, the amount of life, remember the fifth element, when that dude yep. knocks the glass off and it creates all this life, right? right? So after a fire, the, the wildfires in a burn scar the year after are fucking awesome. The mushrooms in a wildfire scar the year after are awesome, right? And the life that it creates, it actually creates a healthier forest. So because we put out fires for so long, well, it built up on the forest floor and overgrowth and all this stuff. So we're having these fires that shouldn't be because we put them out for so long. So now it's thick, it's dense, it stays on the forest floor. It's hard as shit for us to put it out because it snakes underground basically because you've got 18 inches of duff on the floor that these fires, these embers can basically crawl along the floor for until it snows, until it freezes, until it cools and start another fire, right? So Cameron Peak Fire last year in Colorado, they more or less had it under control, but there was all these embers sniffing around, just skunking around and stuff like that. So then it, it lights up again. So we can't get a control of these fires because we put them out for so long. So we actually have unhealthy forests because they're too overgrown. There's too much there. And obviously the pine beetles go into it. There's all these different components to it that make these fires what they are. Uh, again, best intentions. If we would have gone back, it'd been like, no, actually. So now we're getting better at letting fires burn where we need to let them burn and prescribing burns where we need to prescribe burns and getting better at managing houses in the woods and stuff like that. But inevitably there's more people, there's more people living in the woods right now. And we're trying to say, you know, it's just, there's, there's a lot of components to it, but um, you know, we don't have a ton of beetle kill in Montana. You don't see any in Jackson um, places where it is cold. Yeah. Um, it's obviously a huge part too. Interesting. Yeah. No joke. But you look at a, a lot of <laughs> government programs through the years, right? Where we try to do the right thing right. and best intentions. And then you look back and like, oh, shit, that made things worse. Yeah. Shift gears. Maybe we'll take a left turn here. Nobody talking. Yeah. You're, like involvement at any level is like can inevitably just like spin off into these like messed up situations. The unknown unknowns right so there's the the four boxes the the known knowns the unknown unknowns the known unknowns and then the unknown knowns right all right savvy so the things that like you don't know what you don't know yeah just completely yeah. not in your world and then you know what you don't know but you don't want to know about it and there's there's all these different perspectives right so when we make these decisions um and you look back on it you, you it's easy to say well that was a bad decision but it wasn't a bad decision because there was this entire unknown unknown realm that you didn't know about does that make sense yep little, little and there's no way to know right. what the variable like when you put these seven variables together what the outcome is going to be you For have sure. no idea so you make the best decision that you can with the available information at the time right it's just right. Mike. that's the, the macro of, of the micro daily that we are facing yeah, I feel like humanity is sort of a conundrum of the macro and the micro at the same time and like wrapped up and twisted in good intentions and then like fucked up situations and all of, you know, like greed and 
you put all of this together and you have the human experience and humanity and like you know the entire course of history and it's so wild (laughs) and then you look at how we how small we are throughout the whole thing too and you're like oh what i think is big deal really isn't that big yeah big of a deal (laughs) um i heard some really wild shit recently in this book that i read pray tell so the idea is that um shit it's kind of a spoiler i don't know i'll just talk about the concept and i won't say where i heard it from or where i got it there we go and that'll uh not tell people what the book is about or whatnot but the concept is that it's a hypothesis that north america had all of these um uh so north america had all these large flora and fauna all these like giant animals the woolly mammoth the saber-toothed cat like dire wolves all these huge things right game of thrones reference a dire wolf (laughs) (laughs) i don't think there were that's what they're called i guess like giant fucking wolves yeah yeah. they were massive have you ever seen fucking wolf they're huge uh, yeah, and they yeah. give it like three or four times its size, and those things would be giant, and then like hunting together. But yeah, there, were these... there were the zombies and those. Yeah, man, fucking, this was it was real back then. You've yeah, seen no, Game of Thrones, not. right? I you know, have. yeah. So it's like the White Walkers. This is North America. That was my COVID guilty pleasure. I was it? Crushed Game of Thrones. <laughs> nice. Don't tell. Um, okay, so <laughs> anyway, there were all these giant animals. And uh, there's new evidence, a bunch of new evidence showing that uh, that there could have been a, a comet that hit North America. So the way that Halley's Comet like flies around and we see it, it it's kind of in, the, in an orbit where it brings it close to the Earth at times. So then every year, every five years or whatever, they like they get close and connect. Well, this same thing happened with a comet that it was like a bunch of pieces of a comet. And for 21 years, this comet and earth were in like a collision course year after year after year and north america was faced to where the comet hit every time and it just blasted north america with this like rain of fire and every time it was like hundreds of thousands of nuclear bombs hitting north america at once and like burning everything and like the fire was as big as like the size of asia yeah and um and that's why, and like humanity could have potentially had a stronghold in North America, but then this all happened and yeah, yeah. annihilated everything. And, uh, and then people spread out around the world at that point. And that's mm-hmm. when like, the idea is that that's when civilization basically got seeded everywhere. And that's why all these religions have the, um, the myth of uh, the floods. Sure. And because there's like this giant cataclysm that happened yeah. and like, yeah. Um, and it flooded and after it, a burn, right? Oh, and totally. There's, not, there's nothing to anchor anything down. Yeah, and it was an ice age at that point. Oh, and yeah. so, like, everything got, like, incinerated on North America. It's just, like, melted all these ice caps and pff, all this shit happened at once. I mean, all that could happen at once. That could happen. And uh... We're probably not going to make it. <laughs> shit, we live in Yellowstone, right? So we, we, we live on a, like... That's a super volcano. Yeah. No, we're toast. <laughs> just completely toast. But I'd rather be there than somewhere where like you have to live through the aftermath. Like I'd rather just be 
to vaporize into like, right done like yeah but that's just me you ever read 1491 no Super but i'm boring. intrigued uh yeah i do throw it on i'll throw it on there i have it i'll send it to you okay perfect yeah super dry boring read it took me like six months sounds, to sounds yep. great sign me up awesome but there's some interesting concepts in there and then there's 1492 as well what's your favorite book Ooh. and top three top three and top three. that everyone should read uh sapiens definitely okay. yeah uh that one was awesome uh whew, man that's a good question uh until the end of time i think is called it's by um brian green he's like a physicist from mit it like goes into like the micro all the way out to the macro universe size and talks about like physics and concepts okay and then um shit i don't know what do you got I'll, let me think about that third uh i'm a total sucker for stay with me on this i'm a total sucker for like airport stories and things happening for a reason and there's there are no mistakes so the one freshest on my mind flying out yesterday um uh, sitting behind this dude and the flight attendant walks by and is like oh i love that book i've read it three times and he's like this is my third time <laughs> No way. And she's like, oh, it's so great, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, I got to fucking know, right? So like a total asshole. I stick my head through the seat of the airplane. And I'm like, what you working with? What do you got? And he closed it and he's like, it's the alchemist. Yeah. Classy, right? Oh, so yeah. I look at it and we're married math, so you can't see the dude. You can't see me, whatever. And I'm just like, man, it always, it always hits when you need it, right? And he just like, you could tell what I said to him rocked his world. He's <laughs> like, man, you have no idea. And yeah. I was like, yeah oh you betcha huh? you know like totally <laughs> oh, caught off yeah. guard i was like i had no idea what i said but yeah. clearly he's going through something yeah. he's reading the alchemist it's hitting him where he needs to hit it's the fourth time right so a i'm gonna go read it when i get home because i need some you know i need it yeah. yeah uh b i remember where i like i remember reading it and i think it's a quick easy read it's got some instinct so the alchemist right super cliche yeah that's great though um the reason I read, it's not the book that everyone should read, but the reason I read 1491 was I flew from Denver to Salt Lake. This is my airport and what I believe in it, uh, airport stories. So I flew from Denver to Salt Lake and I had this great talk with this dude um, 15 years ago, maybe. And he's like, you should read it. So it's been on the top of my book list for 15 years. And I've looked at it and I was like, that looks terrible. I don't want to read it. <laughs> and I finally picked it up and read it. So anyway, full circle um extreme ownership oh yeah it's uh again super cliche it's big in the fire service military world mm -hmm. um i think it should be mandatory reading for everyone and anyone it just changes your perspective on making excuses and taking ownership of and you, some of the examples in there and then there's a little bit i don't know if you're familiar with jocko or not like there's a there's some elements that jocko that are a little a little tough to chew on but once you get through some of the like back in Ramadi when we fucking did it, like once you get through some of that, um, the the concepts of it are just, you know, they're 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 phenomenal. They should be mandatory for for every human on the planet, especially anyone who's in charge of other people or making any type of decision. But true yeah. ownership for sure. Um, reminds me of a dotty like. Oh, I didn't have time to get that done. I uh, fuck, I've been busy, and she'll just look you deadpan in the face and be like, "You didn't have time, or you didn't make time." Like, 
just said from an ex-Navy SEAL commander, you know, like yeah. Grandma Dottie. Right? The same <laughs> same concept. Like, did you really not have time or are you full of shit and you didn't make time? Like, yeah. You want to make time, own it and and say that, like, oh, you're right, I didn't make time. Or make the fucking time and write the thank you note. Yeah. Which puts into your life in the context of are you a victim of circumstance or are you making choices that right like are you in charge of your world sure and if you're not then that's something that you should look at yeah yeah some of it some of it's tough though um there's outside circumstances yeah there really are and i, I think to not acknowledge that or to say it's not a thing is but if you start from I didn't make yeah, time for it for sure and then go from there yeah. then like nine times out of ten you'll be able to get it done and there'll be that one time that circumstances make it impossible but and, and maybe that's just me making excuses I don't know but I sure as shit feel like sometimes you can own it all you want and you know what sometimes there's some circumstances sometimes the mountain wins <laughs> sometimes the mountain fucking wins man it sometimes does the ocean wins sometimes the, the I mean, river you said it best it always wins actually yeah yeah always will yeah sure will uh, my third book i thought about it okay uh and it's hard to say like you know this is uh, my all-time three i'd have to really do some thinking about that but right off the bat i just read being ram das oh, and okay. it was so amazing so how to change your mind is another favorite of mine by okay. michael pollan okay and that's a dive into the history of psychedelics in this country and the world and how it all worked. And that was like a 3000 foot view of the whole thing and the landscape of it and the history of, of different psychedelics and how it's been studied and whatnot, which I think is a really interesting topic in this world right now, especially at this time, because there's like a resurgence and like, uh, you know, it's being studied again and all these things. It's really, there's just so much um, of leaning into new edges with that. And then being around Das, he was, this is like the on the ground report of what it was all like. He was, Ram Das was a, uh, he was a professor at Harvard with Timothy Leary and they were leading these experiments um, in terms of psych, uh, psilocybin and then LSD administering doses to people and like going, like doing science about it as well as they could, you know, objective science in a subjective world. But they did this whole thing and he just like talked about it and like, the challenges, the struggles, the breakthroughs, the problems, and he, it's his life story. And then he goes to India at one point and then like finds a guru and then becomes Ram Das, and then has like a different spiritual dude, but he's always the same like guy and the same voices. Huh. Really like, and, and I guess it's like a sort of a history of the last 80 years through his lens and his lens, like he's met so, like the names that were dropped oh, yeah. in this book were crazy he was like the eye of the hurricane of the, the 60s and 70s and it's pretty cool that's pretty yeah yeah that's some some culture changing years holy shit <laughs> yes what uh you had one more book you only said two can you think of one without um i'm so bad at that when i get put on the spot right. my mind goes blank and then i'm like well that wall is white <laughs> <laughs> that's all i got <laughs> um man i maybe not a specific one but i, I went on a big hemingway kick for a long time and it, oh, it really yeah. shaped a lot for me i think uh he's very adventure based right you know not always yeah i mean he's done i mean dude was a phenomenal like his stories some of his stories from the wars and 
places he lived and, and things that he did were, were amazing. Nothing short of a phenomenal human being. That's the wrong word. I don't think he was a phenomenal human being. He, yeah. he did some phenomenal things and, and there you go. super adventurous things. Um, Which I think can be said, especially right now, we're like looking at all these different historical figures and like separating the person yeah, from sure, the actions right. and the, these actions from those actions and continue. Yeah, That's like a whole other podcast yeah. in itself. <laughs> um, but, but the way he wrote and, the, and it's a, you know, the way he lived his life was, was it was, it was no bullshit. It was his sentences were just the way that he composed his book. It was simple. It was strong. It was beautiful all at the same time. You know, it was like, I went here and then I did this and it was good. And, you know, like, it's just fucking, there's no wasted breath. There's no wasted sentences. There's not a wasted word in there. It's just so well crafted and it gets this story off just so well. Um, there's, there's no bullshit. And, that, and I think that's how we live this life. I'm not an expert. I don't fucking know. But um, I, I want to say I read a movable feast when I was in Paris. So that was pretty good. I don't know if it was as good as that made it out to be because I was in the, in the position there, but um the sun also rises uh, is, a, is a really good one. The snows of Kilimanjaro, I feel like, is probably it. Pick your three. Pick one of those, or read all three of them. That's my third book. So fucking read all three of them. Yeah, your third book is three. <laughs> my third book is all of this off. And you know why? Because we can. Because <laughs> we can. This is podcast land, and we make the rules. What? What's your fitness world like these days? Fitness world. I'm doing 15 minutes a day of something. I like to set the bar low. <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, I like to set the bar low and then go from there. You know, easy to walk over. That's that way I'm always walking over it. Um, right, right. Yeah. What happens when you trip on a low bar? Well, you got to really look at yourself at that <laughs> you point. You really need to self-evaluate. Yeah. If you can't lift your leg over that, there's a problem. Yeah. Um, yeah. 15 minutes a day of something. And a lot of time, and, and then I'm, I'm surfing like three to four days a week when, in, when the waves are good right now in the last couple of weeks, the waves haven't been good. Um, so it's been like, you get to that point where you're like, eh, I'll, I'll, I'll go ski when we get like six inches or more. Yeah. I'll surf when the waves are good. Yeah. Like, eh, eh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the first world problem shift. It definitely is. I'm very feel very grateful. And that's why I live in Carlsbad. I lived in Fallbrook, which was 45 minutes away from the ocean. And like at that point, you go and then when you get there, you're you drove 45 minutes. Like you're going in no matter what. Now I'm 10 minutes away from my surf break. And so it's like I can wait, I can look at the cams, I can think about it. And so then I sort of have this like yin and yang balance between athletic elements. So when I'm home and i'm not surfing i'll do like um yoga i'll do like yin yoga so like just floor-based stretching basically yeah. for like half an hour 20 minutes half an hour whatever and really just like focus on breath dive in like get into the flexibility in that right. and then that keeps me limber for when i'm actually doing surfing because when i go there i walk out to the water i do three stretches i go in i paddle and i battle the waves and it's like right. Awesome. get your ass kicked, kicked sometimes and sometimes you get <laughs> big ass waves coming at you it's awesome um yeah yeah so it's kind of that yin and yang balance but okay. doing something every day nice that's like the minimum pretty good yeah what pretty about good. you um mostly the exact opposite of yin yoga yep for the most part basically completely opposite <laughs> 
That's pretty standard between yep. you and me. Through life, said and totally different. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not same same at all, but totally no, different. Different, different. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. I, I've, I've always sort of going back to it. I've always oscillated between. You know, like I, it was in college. It was baseball season started January first, and it went through June thirtieth. And then soccer season started July 1st and went through the end of November, right? And, and I skied in December, I guess. Um, but it, it, and you know, like, and in baseball season, I was 205. This was back in, you know, back in by the chest of tries, right? So it was a total gym rat, just beef. I couldn't scratch my own back. And then I'd lose 30, 40 pounds for soccer season. That's crazy. Um, hopefully most of the time, I think uh and then you know well it seems like your workouts would dictate that like soccer sure. workouts were just like just a running. shitload of running and yeah. you can't even keep on enough muscle that way so, it's like and so yeah it's it's necessity and need and so that's mm-hmm. the same thing uh it's yeah all, all of that right so going into it and then you know when i graduated college it was it was uh bike racing and then firefighting and when i was bike racing firefighting got really hard because everything we carry is fucking heavy Yep. And I was skinny and, and then so trying to find and, and where I'm at now is, is, and I still oscillate a little bit, just, a, just less, but um, because now, you know, I ski a lot in the winter and hike a lot and backcountry ski and, you know, hike on the ridge and try and climb mountains and, you know, weight doesn't help, but turns out firefighting is still heavy shit. So trying to find that balance and, um, work capacity and stuff like that right now um yeah i don't know i do you do a lot of like crossfit or do you yeah, still do that i do and, and and crossfit's an interesting one because it had such a you know it changed the entire fitness industry and it changed so many things uh for the better um i don't do, and, there, and then there's the brand of crossfit right and the brand and the workouts are are different things and what it has done for the fitness industry. And really, you know, I'm going to butcher this. I'm sorry for all my CrossFit friends, but it's, you know, high intensity movements that change and, you know, there's all those different things that go along with that, right? Uh, as opposed to a 60 minute run and three sets of 10 that it was for so many years. And it took that and it blew it up. So I don't know. I do high intensity workouts. I do work capacity workouts. I do things with weight. I do things that change plane. I do things with bunker gear and a pack on. I do things that are going to make me better in the mountains. I like to do things that, um, that make me better at my job. And, you know, they may not make you look good naked that it was for so long, but, but if you can carry a pack, if you can ski in the mountains, if you can surf, if you can, my goal has always been to be in a spot where if somebody comes up to me and says, Hey, you want to go surf tomorrow? I can say, yeah, and not be the weakest link out there. Hey, you want to go climb a mountain tomorrow? Yeah, and not be the weakest link. I may not be the strongest. I may not be the fastest. I may not be the best surfer. I may not be the best skier. I may not be the best climber. But if you say, hey, let's go for a two-hour run tomorrow, or let's go on a bike ride, let's go surf, let's go climb, let's go ski, let's go do whatever it happens to be, um, I can be in a position where I'm like, yeah, let's go do it. And, 
and, and be able to hang, right? Be able to keep up and be able to at least hold my mind. Maybe from a skill standpoint, I'll be less than other people, but I'm not going to be outworked. I'm not going to be, fitness isn't going to be the thing that holds me back. Yeah. And, and I don't know. That's a moving target, a floating decimal, mm. if you will. Yes. Squid pro row. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Indeed. Indubitably. Yeah. Yeah. I like when you use those concepts that I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm here for. That's what I'm here for. I would imagine I'm a different guest than most of the people you've had. Um, yeah, you same, same, but different. Yeah. It's pretty impressive. Yeah. I mean, everybody's like pushes the, the space a little bit in their own direction, which for is sure. really cool. And eventually the, the space is going to be this wide bubble that yeah. fits everybody, man. Come on in. Water's great. Art and Life podcast. Here it is. I like it. <laughs> Well, we just got a text. The family is eating tacos and drinking margaritas, correct? I'm in. Let's go do I that. I think it's time. I'm done with my whiskey. You're done with yours now. We can pour more. I mean, we can always pour more. <laughs> Let's go, Let's go, <laughs> Let's go get margaritas. Let's go eat tacos. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. This was the Art and Life podcast. Thanks, bro. Thank you. Yeah. So that, my friends, is Cam Gallegos. That guy is fucking awesome. <laughs> I'm slightly biased. I know. I get it. But, I mean, as objectively as I can look at it, that's what I'm going to say. Um, yeah. He's one of my most trusted confidants in the entire world. We have seen it all together. We've known each other about as long as you can. And we've, we've been through some some adventures i will definitely tell you that we've got some stories part three is when we start dishing out the dirt and that's gonna get real good <laughs> we just wait for that um yeah again this is such a cool episode for me because it's been a long time coming i i feel like it really rounds out the art and life experience and the concept of what i'm trying to achieve here and, and get after is that we are all artists no matter what background we're in um, if you choose to look at the world as art, then it will be art to you. And that's that's the really beautiful part of it. So um, again, whatever it is that you do or think you want to do, do it with your full presence, focus, energy, throw everything you've got at it, push the edges, push the limits, and you're going to end up somewhere good. You're definitely going to fall on your face. You're going to fail at times, and that's totally fine. Like he said, we're all just adding to our Rolodex as we go along, uh, our Rolodex of experience and know-how. And then we know what happens when we cut the hole in that roof, and we know what happens when you blast that window out, and if the fire goes this way or that way. It's like a, it's a body of knowledge that we're all trying to fill out. So... I think that's all I got. I hope that you are feeling as inspired as I am. And uh, hey, cheers. We're gonna go get margaritas.